Today, there's progress in Yemen peace talks, Rupert Murdoch steps down and names his successor, and the US heads towards a government shutdown. From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Friday the 22nd of September. Today, Saudi Arabia has welcomed positive results from talks with a Houthi delegation aimed at reaching a roadmap for peace in Yemen. The statement from the Saudi foreign ministry comes after five days of talks with Houthi envoys in Saudi Arabia, which was the first official visit to the country by a Houthi delegation since the war broke out in Yemen in 2014. The Saudi foreign ministry statement says that the kingdom continues to stand with Yemen and its brotherly people and encourages the Yemeni parties to sit at a negotiating table and reach a comprehensive and lasting political solution for Yemen under the supervision of the United Nations. While the chief Houthi negotiator said that they'd held extensive meetings with the Saudi side, in which we've discussed some options and alternatives to overcome disagreements that previous rounds touched upon. And according to Reuters, citing two sources, there was some progress on the main sticking points, which include a timeline for the exit of foreign troops in Yemen and the paying of public wages. And these discussions have been going on for a long time. The devastating conflict began all the way back in 2014, after Houthi rebels took the capital and overthrew the internationally recognized government, which fled to Saudi Arabia. A Saudi-led coalition then intervened, and war quickly became a proxy conflict between Saudi Arabia and Iran, who backed the Houthis. Hundreds of thousands of people have since been killed, with civilians bearing the brunt of the conflict, which has left up to 80% of the population dependent on aid. A Saudi-Houthi peace agreement alone won't be enough to solve Yemen's problems, as a broader political peace process is required to resolve things like the Southern Separatist Movement. But it certainly is encouraging that some progress is being made. Now, there's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us in your podcast app of choice to listen along. Next up, Rupert Murdoch is stepping down as the chairman of Fox and News Corp and announced that his eldest son, Lachlan, will take over as the chair of both companies. The 92-year-old Australian media mogul made this announcement in a memo to employees, saying that the time is right for me to take on different roles, adding that his son Lachlan, the eldest boy, is a passionate, principled leader. But Rupert isn't disappearing just yet, with him announcing that he'll be transitioning to the role of Chairman Emeritus, and wrote in the memo that we have every reason to be optimistic about the coming years. I certainly am, and plan to be here to participate in them. Now, Murdoch has had a long career in news and media already, and has built a massive empire, owning hundreds of local, national and international outlets, including The Sun and The Times in the UK, The Daily Telegraph in Australia, and The Wall Street Journal and New York Post in the US, as well as broadcast channels like Sky News Australia and Fox News, the latter of which is the most watched news channel on US TV. And the responses to him stepping down highlight just how divisive a figure he is. Piers Morgan, who's worked on and for Murdoch outlets over the last few decades, described him as a bold, brilliant, visionary leader. Well, ex-Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull said that he'd done enormous damage to the democratic world, in particular the United States. In fact, it was just this year that Fox agreed to pay nearly $800 million to voting machine company Dominion for broadcasting false claims about the integrity of the 2020 US election. 
That wasn't the biggest payout either. In 2011, he closed his News of the World tabloid over a major phone hacking scandal in the UK and has reportedly paid out more than £1 billion to victims of this scandal. Let's stick with the home of Fox News, because the US is reportedly heading towards a government shutdown, as Republican infighting in the House of Representatives shows no sign of ending. A small group of hardline conservative Republicans have now twice blocked procedural measures on a key spending measure, with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy saying that some individuals just want to burn the whole place down. Even after McCarthy agreed some deeper spending cuts demanded by the Republican holdouts, the latest vote still failed, as half a dozen Republicans joined the Democrats in voting against beginning the debate on the Defense Appropriations Bill. With that failure on Tuesday, representatives headed home for the weekend with just nine days until the shutdown deadline. If that happens, then the federal government's funding will expire as the clock strikes midnight and September 30th becomes October 1st. So Congress has until then to pass funding legislation or else the federal government will shut down. Rather than passing a full year funding bill, Congress could pass what's known as a continuing resolution, which is effectively a stopgap solution that extends the deadline by a month, allowing for more negotiations. However, even this seems impossible, as House Republican leadership pulled a vote on a continuing resolution early this week as the party remained divided. Now, these Republican rebels are being cheered on from the sidelines by Donald Trump, who posted on Truth Social that Republicans in Congress can and must defend all aspects of crook Joe Biden's weaponized government. Regardless, Speaker McCarthy has very little margin for error here, as he has a narrow majority and is already unpopular with some of his members, with it taking 15 rounds to even get him elected as Speaker. Next up. Brazil's Supreme Court has ruled in favour of indigenous land rights and blocked an attempt backed by farmers and agribusiness to restrict the size of the group's territorial claim. Now, this legal dispute was between the southern state of Santa Clarina and the indigenous groups in the area. That's because the state had been seeking to repossess land that, according to Brazil's indigenous agency, had traditionally been occupied by indigenous groups. However, state authorities used the so-called time limit argument, which argues that indigenous groups cannot claim land that they did not physically occupy in 1988, the year that Brazil's democratic constitution was ratified. Indigenous groups argue in return that this agreement is unfair and ignores that indigenous populations were forcibly displaced under Brazil's military dictatorship in the decades leading up to 1988. In the end, the Supreme Court ruled 9-2 in favour of the indigenous claim, with one of the justices saying that areas occupied by indigenous peoples and areas that are linked to the ancestry and tradition of indigenous peoples are a constitutional protection, even if they are not demarcated. Now, unsurprisingly, indigenous groups and their advocates have been celebrating this ruling, which is likely to have significant impact on land rights across the country, as this could set a major nationwide precedent. Finally today, major steps have been taken to protect our oceans, as nearly 70 countries this week have signed up to a new UN treaty aimed at reversing the damage done by humans to marine environments. The High Seas Treaty will create international parks in the high seas, which lie outside national maritime borders. These sanctuaries would prohibit fishing and subject human activity to environmental assessments. However, signing the treaty is only really the first step, 
and it won't come into effect until 60 countries actually ratify it. So environmental groups are pushing national governments to do so quickly. One last thing, I just wanted to thank everyone who's pre-ordered our physical newspaper too long. I understand that a YouTube channel selling a physical printed newspaper is a bit of a silly idea, but we just thought that it would be a fun way of connecting with our audience and providing a genuinely interesting summary of everything that's happened this year. And it turns out that many of you agree. Initially, we were hoping to sell 2,000 copies in total, but with 1,389 copies sold in the first week of pre-orders, we're now hoping to sell 2,000 copies in just the pre-order window which closes in just over a week's time. And if we do meet that goal, we're committed to adding another four pages to the newspaper, making it a 32-page paper, and including even more brilliant creators in the project. So if you want to support too long, then you can place your pre-order now. And with the pre-order window closing in a week's time, you really don't want to miss out. Especially as once the pre-order ends, you'll no longer be able to get your name printed in the newspaper as a special thanks. Anyway, learn more by clicking the link to the announcement video in the description, or just head to the store to buy a copy when you're ready. And again, thanks to the 1,389 people who have already supported TLDR's growth and our silly print vision. Have a nice weekend.